Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. So I'm glad you can join us today. Uh, We're going to just continue the theme of uh, what it means to be uh, 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 intimate community, what it means to do church right, what it means to be growing together in this season, what it means to be praying together. So uh, I'm so encouraged to so many of you guys come out today, and I hope you guys can really be ministered as the Word of God is spoken here at church. If you have your Bibles with you, meet me in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, Gospel of chapter, Gospel of John, chapter 13. And we're going to look at one verse, right? That's good for you, right? Real easy. One verse. John chapter 13, 34. Let's read together in one voice, all right? And this is the reading of God's word. A man of many companions, no, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. That was all by myself, pretty lonely up there. So um, one voice together, shall we? Remember, interdependent, one another together. Man, getting hard up here. All right, let's say one, two, three. A new commandment I give to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord. God, we love worshiping you. God, you have said in your word, God, what we are doing here on earth, God, is just the beginning of what we'll do throughout all eternity. So, God, we worship you, Lord. God, we surrender these songs. God, we praise you not only with our lips, but, God, we long to worship you with our hearts, with our lives, our entire beings, Lord. So, God, no matter where we are, In different stages of life, God, may we experience you, God. May we have the courage and the faith to uh, surrender before you, God, today so that we encounter you, God. Speak to us, Lord. Give us ears to hear, but most of all, God, give us hearts to receive all that you are ready to reveal this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you guys who are married, do you remember your wedding song? Do you guys remember uh, choosing a song with your spouse, uh, the first song that you danced to? What was that? Do you guys remember, for those of you guys that are married? Maybe it's been too long. For those of you guys that are not yet married, do you ever think about what song you're going to dance to? Some of you guys are engaged and in the stage of planning out wedding. Are you guys fighting about what you guys are going to do on that day? Are you guys deciding what to do? You guys remember? Honey, do you remember what song we, we, we chose for our first dance? Okay. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, please, don't draw unnecessary attention to me and, and my kids, all right? Yeah. Well, for me, yeah, more than 16 years ago, for our wedding song, for our first dance song, we chose this song, Better Together. At that time, Jack Johnson had just appeared to the music scene, and I discovered it when I heard the first album. I became a fanboy immediately. Who is this man? So chill, amazing lyrics, like smooth like butter. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. And he came out, he released his second album, and I listened to this song. I mean, I had, like, I had so many questions. I couldn't be around for the wedding planning, but I think this one, I got, I got this on lockdown, honey. We're going to dance to this song. It's called Better Together. 
and we're going to just rock out. No, not rock. We're going to have fun. We're better together. It's a, you, guys, you guys know this song? Well, I really hate to disappoint you guys. I really tried. I practiced all week, but cannot do it. So I was going to sing it for y'all, but I'm not going to sing. All right, so I'm going to just read it to you. You guys are immensely disappointed that you don't get to hear my singing. Some of you guys that know me, you guys are praising God. Like, yes, I don't get to hear him sing. But hear me out. These are some of the words that this song is conveying. The song is titled again, Better Together. Love is the answer, at least for most of the questions in my heart. Like, why are we here? And where do we go? And how come is it so, uh, it's so hard? It's not always easy, and sometimes life can be deceiving. Uh-oh. I'll tell you one thing. It's always better when we're together. Mmm. It's always better when we're together. Yeah. We'll look at the stars when we're together. Well, it's always better when we're together. Yeah, it's always better when, when we're together. All right. Don't you love it? Isn't it amazing? Um, I don't want to, like, say, but, you know, since our wedding 2006, and we've attended a lot of weddings, man, I, I don't know why, but I think, like, man, I was an early founder of this song. And I love it whenever couples dance to this song or sometimes they have, they play this song because I think it highlights the beauty of marriage. I think it highlights what the very essence of what marriage is. And I love that it doesn't say love is good. I love that it doesn't say love is awesome, love is powerful. I love that it says that love is better, like better when together. It's a comparative thing. And I love that that song conveys that, yeah, I can do it on my own. I'm pretty, I'm pretty capable. I'm pretty awesome. You're pretty awesome. That's how I'm marrying you. But something very profound about the fact that, but when we're together, come on, somebody, we are better. Oof. I'm a good man. You're a good woman. But when we're together, oof. like LeBron, I, I'm going to say, okay, I can't do Lakers here on the pulpit. It's a holy place here. Paul George, oof, good. Amen? Kawhi Leonard, oof. I'm getting no love here today. <laughs> All right. But Kawhi and Paul George together, better. Amen, all by myself. Are you guys healing? Uh, you guys hear me? Right? Something powerful, uh, powerful about this togetherness. You know, and, and one of the most uh, powerful uh, portions of the wedding is when we do the unity ceremony. When the two candles are are lighting up to one candle, they do now the the sand ceremony, symbolizing the two now becoming one. They did the braiding of of the cords. We had a, a, a Sasha. You guys did that right at your wedding. So powerful. Yeah, we can, we can stand on our own, but when we're brought together. There's something powerful that is released. There's synergy that happens when working together. We get to experience power and love that is beyond, that is of our own. So today's sermon, I'm going to just unpack what the Bible says about the importance of this togetherness. 
that we are called to love God and honor God and worship God. But how many guys know that we are to do that? We are called to do that together. And we are called to live this life called one another. Simply because we are better together. Let me read for you the main passage for today. Jesus is saying this. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. Why does Jesus say that? Maybe this is something that, that they have not heard often. And quite possibly, of all the 613 commandments that every single Jew, God-fearing, God-loving Jew had to abide by, this particular one may not have been highlighted as much. And Jesus is saying this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love one another. Let me just uh, 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 give you the backdrop of the context of what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is spending his last days, last moments with his beloved disciples. So he lived 33 years, right? Uh, Three of those 33 years were closely and intimately spent with the beloved disciples. And he had just had his last meal, uh, uh, more famously known as the Last Supper. There, There, Jesus broke the bread, poured the wine, fed one another, and Jesus also does something that never been done before. He washed the feet of his disciples. Uh, that was so unacceptable. That was so uh, offensive in that uh, rabbinic culture. No way on earth that a teacher or the master in the circle of education would volunteer to go lower himself and wash the stinky and dirty toe cheese, toe crust filled feet of the disciples, that was actually designated for the lowest servants in the house. So Jesus does something incredibly new, and this was something that they were not accustomed to, and then, boom, Jesus says, this is a new commandment that I'm giving to you. There's a reason why I'm showing you in this way, and I'm modeling it for you. Brothers, I want you to do this even when I'm gone. And he prophesies that some of, someone among you will betray me. He looks at Jesus, so he fills his cup. Okay, super awkward, right? Like they're talking about like Jesus' goodbye speech, and, and they're getting sad, and all of a sudden, someone, one of you is going to betray me. And he, he was like so not subtle. Jesus is like, he's straight up G. He, he's so, he said, I'm going to pour this wine, whoever... I poured this drink to, that's the one that's going to betray. And Jesus goes to Judas. And and, uh, the fullness of tension, Judas just bones out, right? He says, whoa, awkward. He leaves. And then Jesus goes on to say, and, and, and and, and he calls them little children, weird. He calls these grown men his brothers, And Jesus changes the language all of a sudden. He says, little children, you are going to look for me. You're going to miss me. You wish that you would have me around so that you could depend on me. He says, little children, where I go, you cannot come. Where I'm going to go, I'm going to be there for all eternity. And then he says, love one another exactly as I've loved you. 
Friends, that phrase, one another, is mentioned uh, just roughly about 100 times in 94 verses in the New Testament, which 60 of them, more than 60 of them, come from Apostle Paul. And Jesus is using that phrase, one another, here right in this passage. He says, love one another. And if we look at all throughout the mentioning of the New Testament where that phrase is used, it is simply to convey love. Uh, let me give you a few examples here. First Peter 4.8, it says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Romans chapter 16, 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 33, so then my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Friends, this does not mean when you roll out to go eat together, wait for other friends to come. You know what that means? When you go eat together, wait on each other. It means serve one another. It doesn't mean, man, man, that guy's always there. We're not talking about like punctuality here. Jesus is saying, Paul is saying, when you eat together, feed each other. Take care of those that are hungry. Wait on one another. Serve one another. That phrase is used there too. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. First, first Thessalonians 4.18. Therefore, encourage what? One another with words. See, Jesus births, births, B-I-R-T-H-S. Jesus initiates this new way of life. He says, you know what? I'm going to be gone but with the love that I've deposited in you, the love that I've shown you and demonstrated for you for the last three years and here at this dinner table, and I want you to love one another in the same manner. If you're a Bible nerd or Greek nerd, you, you actually get interested. Sometimes you will be motivated to read the Bible in the original language. If you read that verse in the Greek language, notice that Jesus, Jesus uses... And the word love, you guys know the Greeks had four different definitions of love, right? Eros, which is erotic love, like the romance, fiery, passionate love, right? And there's the, uh, uh, a phileo love uh, shared between brothers and, and, and the, and the uh, comrades, right? Like, like, oh, we homies, that kind of love. There's a storge love, uh, love that is specifically shared among family members, right? Sometimes I have to love you because... You my family, <laughs> you know I'm talking about? And then there's a fourth kind of love, the, 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 the penultimate of uh, love that the Greeks knew, that's the agape love, meaning they refer to that love as God-given, love that is shown by God to the humankind, which is unconditional, without any reason, commitment to no end, but Jesus says, guess which one of those four words Jesus uses when he says, love one another as I have loved you. What do you think? Sometimes I don't know why I ask you guys, because you don't say anything to me. <laughs> he uses the word 
agapao. He says, love one another. Love unconditionally. Love without reason. Love without any limit. In the same way, I have loved you. I think this may be the reason why when Jesus said, this is a new commandment that I'm giving you. I don't think in all of history of the Jews, they were ever taught, they were ever expected from God or others that they were to treat one another in the same gracious manner, the same committed manner, the same forgiving and loving manner. So friends, you and I have the task to love this way. And if you're one of, um, if, if you're sitting in your seats today, if you're like, man, Scott, I've never felt that kind of love. I've never felt like from others that the way God loves me. Yeah, me neither. Very difficult, isn't it? But this is why we're going through this passage here because I think there's a new standard which God is calling us for. There's a community of faith that is to be experienced in a different way than perhaps we have ever experienced inside the church. Perhaps we have been settling for superficial, exterior, surface-level fellowship. Maybe it's time for us, perhaps, that we ought to demand, not in a like crazy, like bossy, I don't know why, you know, like whip, it's like slave, like, but in a manner like, hey, can we get more from one another? C- can we just do away with this like surface level, just cheap relationship? Can we really be intimate? Can we get peace of Jesus whenever we talk to each other? I don't know about you, but I would love to be a part of church that practices the same love that we long from God. That when we talk to one another, we literally get peace of Jesus from each other. Come on, somebody. How awesome do you think that would be? Like worship is great. I mean, today's worship is so powerful. If you're new, I like to sing, but I'm not very good. But I don't care. Okay, if you're offended by my singing, be offended. (laughs) But, but, like, it's such a holy moment, right? But what if we are in the same in the presence of God? We are shameless. We are courageous. And we're saying, you know what? We're going to love the heck out of each other. I mean, what would the church of Jesus look like then? So how are you doing with this one another life? Do you believe that You need other people in your life. When you look at the faces that are present in the worship service, the fellow church member, do you have this motivation or the sense of like, man, I need that person. I want that person because we are better together. When Daniel sees me here in the pulpit, he better be like, man, I need Scott. I want Scott. No. 
No, not, no, I mean, <laughs> because that he and I together can experience God in a whole nother level. Are you with me? And I pray that you would have the same longing. And, and it's okay if you've not yet experienced it. Maybe this could be the beginning of Rooftop Church, going that direction, going deeper and going more intimate with God together. All right, so um, today I submit to you the truth of you and I were made to journey together. You and I have been made to walk intimately together. If you guys remember, if you were here three, exactly two weeks ago, the first sermon that I gave after coming back from the sabbatical, what was that sermon about? Abide, right? That you, I, I, I said, you and I have been created for the purpose of intimacy that we were meant to walk together with God. If, not, if that doesn't happen, you and I are eternally lost, and you and I would be eternally miserable. And today I'm simply saying that you and I were made to do life together. That your life would be better off with me there. <laughs> same for you. And same for me as you are in my life. So today I'm going to talk about five marks of intimacy. You guys ready for the five marks of intimacy? How many marks? Five marks. Good. First is accessibility. Okay. And I want you to think about uh, how present or how real, how relevant these marks are. And I want you to have the chance to assess your relationship with others in, in this uh, faith uh, community and others in your family as well. Talk about your uh, uh, marriage. Talk about your romantic relationship. Talk about your friendships. And our goal is to have these spirit-filled uh, relationships sprouting forth everywhere. First is, one of the marks of intimate relationship is accessibility. Everyone say accessibility. Uh, this one's talking about availability, all right? Pretty straightforward. Uh, you should have total access to the person. And I talked about this last week. I, I talked about something with the refrigerator right, right? You're cool. You could be friends, but they're, they're, they're regular friends. They're friends that come over to your house, and without warning, without announcement, without asking for permission, some friends come and just go straight to the fridge. Say, hey, man, what you got? Right? I mean, there's something profoundly, like, accurate about that, right? And, and do people have access to your life? Can people come into your life and open the fridge? I don't know about you, but I like to check the condition of my fridge before someone opens that fridge. But we need that. And I gave that sermon last week, and I went over to church members' uh, house this past Sunday, and, and I went and said, hey, Pastor Scott, hey, man, you, you could get the fridge. Get whatever you want in the fridge. I was like, I was so happy. I was like, yes. We took our, Richard and I took that, our relationship to a whole other level last Sunday night. It was so intimate. I got to see everything in his fridge. And I took it. And I consumed it. How many guys know have people in your life that could come in and open right up and you give free access? You're not ashamed, you're not embarrassed, and you're fully trusting and you humble yourself. Accessibility. 
right? I think today uh, we live in a society where um, we don't want to be bothered. We live in a society that we like being alone. Uh, we live in a society when you go to the gym, you put in your e- earphones on or your earbuds on, and there's no music playing. Uh, you go to Starbucks, you're reading, whatever, you have your earphones on, there's no music playing. Yeah, I'm talking about by myself. And you get on the plane ride, long plane, 10-hour plane ride to thing, and you look around, it's like, man, that, better person, that person better not talk to me for the... So you put your ear- earphones on, right? And these days, you know, um, sometimes like, you know what we do sometimes? We put masks on. Um, for different reasons. Other reasons other than health risk, people put masks on. You know when we do that? I just don't want to talk to you. <laughs> don't talk to me. Please get away from me. <laughs> we live in a society where we encourage these things. I'm not, we have some people that are masked. I'm not by any means saying that's what you're doing. But I'm saying that's the society that we live in. We don't want to be interrupted. We don't want to be disturbed. And we do the same thing. And that sometimes hinders building intimacy. And I wanted to say, you know what? Like, you could be resourceful, right? You could have all the gifts. You could be talented. You may be wealthy. And, and like, you may be wealthy. You may have this wealth of knowledge. But if you're not accessible, are you really resourceful? And people of God, people of rooftop, but I just want to say, you and I, let's be people of access. Let's make ourselves accessible. Let's take down that do not disturb sign in our lives and allow others to be able to uh, have a free look inside our lives. Number one mark is accessibility. Second mark is vulnerability. Say with me, vulnerability. If you have gone through our membership class here at Rooftop, you probably have this uh, quote uh, conveyed to you many times. And this quote is by one of my favorite authors, psychologist, writer, uh, Dr. Larry Crabb. He said this, intimacy is where vulnerability lives. I would rather choose the danger of community than the dull safety of individualism. I would rather choose the danger of communion. What is he talking about? He's saying, he's admitting that, you know what? When you put people together, man, you get nervous because you don't know who's going to say what. You don't know who's going to do what. There's, there are always danger, dangerous risks involved whenever you put people together in one sitting. But he says, even such dangers and even such unpredictability of a community is better than the dull safety of individualism. He cautions the member of every spiritual community saying, there's so many people would rather choose. You know what? I choose the safety of what I can control, what I can predict. I would rather do things on my own because that's easier, that's more convenient because I have more control of by myself. And he says, always choose community because you and I have been chosen you and I have been selected you and I have been commissioned by God to do life together because it is eternally better together remember what we experience with God God simply says you know, do it to do it with one another now intimacy is where vulnerability lives If you want to live 
you have this in your life. You must have someone which you can be completely transparent with. Um, one of the dangers of superficial, why, why is that? If you think about like some of casual friends, how do you go to the next level deeper? It's when you make yourself vulnerable. When you disclose a weakness of yours, when you disclose a struggle of yours, and, and you honestly and heartfully share that, and that has a chance to take you to the next level of relationship. And friends, I hope that you feel encouraged, you feel empowered, that you're not afraid to do that, but we encourage you. Imagine what this church would look like when someone bears his heart, someone bears her soul, that we do not judge, we do not scold or scorn, but we celebrate such vulnerability and we commit ourselves, you know what, brother? I will come alongside of you. And here's my weakness as well. I'm inviting you, come into my life. Have a look into my struggles and my weaknesses. And let's commit to building each other up. Accessibility, vulnerability, third is accountability. And this word is kind of important because accountability is different. It's not just, like, it's, it's not just about, hey, let me just get real with you, right? And we just bear all things. We share our secrets. But accountability is, I'm going to be responsible for you. That word accountability is actually a legal terminology where legally you share the blame or you share the responsibility, right? Uh, if, if I'm uh, accountable if, for Richard here, in, in the court of law, then I will also take the blame. I will also share in whatever that person is being judged for. Accountability. Is there accountability in your life? Are there people in your life that, that, that keep you in check? Are there people in your life that not only love you, not only endorse you, but that keep you aligned with the expectations from the Lord? True intimacy not only protects, but it also keeps you accountable. If you read uh, Ephesians chapter 4, um, Paul talks about uh, love. It's in being honest, being truthful, right? And, and I, I think the sense of accountability is missing in many Christians' lives. I think uh, we, 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 we don't um, hold each other in a higher standard, more particularly godly standard. And we are committed to this journey we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to honor God individually and together. Being accountable. When someone has become vulnerable with you, what are you doing so that the person is made whole? Are you willing to walk together? Are you willing to take the responsibility when someone has disclosed themselves to you? Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Meaning, I can have expectations from you. If we are members of the faith community, then you should have uh, expectations from me as well. And we keep each other accountable so that those expectations are met. Filled with grace, filled with love, 
that is in Christ Jesus. I don't think we can be a growing and a healthy community if these expectations were not present at all. They were just dancing around in the dull safety of individualism. We're afraid to speak in. We're, af- we're afraid to be corrected, right? You know, this is the way... Um, I know that it's been years since you wrote, like, your last paper in college. I know you guys are getting old just like me. It's been two decades almost since I left, um, you know, any school. Um, back in our day, like, we had to physically type and print and turn it in. Uh, every professor had a, a mailbox, and all the papers were turned in via mailbox. There's no emailing. You can't email. You can't trust email, right? So we had to, like, print it out send it in. And these papers will be returned to you with corrections. And the favorite color of the professors and teachers are what? Red. Oof. And you will see the grade on top, usually A plus for Scott. (laughs) Why? That's messed up. Usually there's a letter grade, and then you flip through all 10, 12, 15 pages, and throughout the paper, what do you see? Check marks, words, circle, question mark, comments on the side. In the end, even more explanation of what the professor thought of my paper. I get that. And I get super disappointed with the grade that I received. I get offended. I said, man, this is a Christian institution. You're supposed to be a follower of God, a lover of God. You give me this grade. How dare you? So you immediately pray for your professor. God save him. And I'm just kidding, guys. Some of you guys are like, dude, stop. For me, I have to at that moment go through every single page of correction and receive humbly that the professor's not there to attack me. He doesn't get any bonus points in heaven for correcting my work. He's simply doing that so that my paper could be better as a result of that correction. I feel like so many many Christians are missing people where in their lives they literally have nobody in their lives who's willing to show up with the red pen Sometimes go through your life, circle this, circle that, question mark there. I, I, you know, it's high, some of you guys are getting uncomfortable. Said, Man, that's, God, that's offensive. I would be so annoyed if someone did that. But I'm saying, guys, what is our goal? Are you perfect? I'm not. Do we want to live more spirit-filled Christ-honoring, God-honoring, God-fearing life, I want that. And if I understand that I can't do that on my own, maybe I could, but it's better together. If someone were to come in and I'm fully secured and protected and trusting of the love my way, please, take all color pens. No, you got too, way too happy, Ashley. <laughs> I'm like, Yes! Let me correct you, fool. No, no. You know what I'm talking about? I feel like we are missing that here. 
Do you have people in your life to keep you accountable? Do you have people in your life whom you can go to and confess your sins? Do you have people in your life that you can welcome in and give that person permission and authority to speak into your life? Maybe in your marriage. Maybe in your professional life. And this is a reason why we have mentors, right? This is a reason why we have spiritual directors nowadays, right? This is a reason why we have counselors and therapists, right? Guys, we have to be a community that grow in this regard. Amen? Amen. Fourth, I'm almost done, guys. Fourth mark is affections. Say with me, affections. Encouragement. True intimacy endorses and encourages affections. Um, Love is an action verb. Love is an abstract concept. Sometimes we complicate love. Sometimes we leave love at the hands of the poets and the songwriters, and they take it to a whole different level unnecessarily. Don't complicate things. Love is action. Love is shown. Love is concrete. Love is heard. Love is felt. Love is grabbed on. Love is what? Physical. Love. Um, One of the hallmarks of intimacy is this presence of affections and encouragement. Are your words and actions filled with encouragement? Do you empower others with your actions? Do you empower and enable others with your words? Are your words life-giving? When I talk to you, spend 10 minutes with you, what feelings will I walk away with? Feeling of shame? Feeling of annoyance? Or do I, will I walk away? It's like, man. That's a lot of love right there. And I think this is one missing mark too. I think we can use more affections, more affirmations. Um, how many of you guys are, uh, affirmation is a, a, a love language for you? One, two, three. Okay, let's get together a small group and we'll just <laughs> encourage the heck out of each other. We will just affirm. The <laughs> some of you guys want to join in? Join the party. I know you guys want some, Right? I mean, how affirming are you with words? And, and today, I'm, just, I'm not going to go through the five languages of Chapman, but just one. Affirm. Let's be more affirming with words. All right? And I thought about this, guys. You know who's really great with, you know, you know what kind of people in our lives? We all have these people in our lives. When we spend five, ten minutes, we walk away thinking, man, I feel like a million bucks. You know what kind of people? Grandparents. Spend five minutes with them, you will walk away thinking, man, I'm going to go out and change the world. You could bomb your test. You could get whatever grade from school. You spend 10 minutes with grandpa. I'm genius. I have been underachieving all my life. You guys, you guys hear me? Grandparents have the ultimate power to encourage us. They think we're like supernatural human beings. They think we're the most beautiful human beings. Come on now. You and I know that we're not. But you spend 10 minutes with grandparents. Man, I need to get me an agent, actor, 
grandparents. You know, I live with my mother-in-law, and it's been about five years. And I see her interactions with my children, and I get it. And, you know, there's a language barrier between, you know, my, um, my mother-in-law doesn't speak actually not much English at all. She speaks only Korean. And my kids, um, I, you know, we take the blade. They don't speak much Korean. You know, they, they could eat. They, they know how to say certain words in Korean, but that's about it. There's a language barrier. So then I, I, I examine my mother-in-law, the way she talks to my kids. Simple words. Handsome. Pretty. Good. <laughs> I love you. Smut. Good job. That's like, like 95% of her vocabulary. <laughs> she doesn't know any like negative words. She doesn't know the words ugly, dumb. Oh, she, does, she doesn't know this. Only expression she knows in English which communicates to my children are 100% positive. 100%. And can I say something? I don't think she has any interest in learning words that are not affirming of her grandchildren. Sometimes I sit there at the dinner table. I'm like, Mom, give me some too. <laughs> call me handsome. Call me good job. You know, call, call me beautiful, you know, smart. And I learned from her how often as a parent, how often as a dad do I convey affections and affirmation to my children? If I'm going to be honest, I'm the one more critical. I'm the one that's quick to pinpoint mistakes and faults. I'm very intuitive. I'm very keen. And I feel the need to communicate fast and with urgency, with much emotion. And I realize, I find myself often, sometimes what I say get lost because it's not laden with love or affirmation. How many guys know that no teaching, no instructions, if not layered with love, they fall straight to the ground? I'm saying as members of this intimate community, let's be affirming. I need your affirmations. It's still October 24th, uh, 3rd, still Pastor's Appreciation Month. <laughs> I can use your encouragements. I can use your love. Guess what? You need the encouragement and the affirmation of your fellow brothers and sisters. And I affirm you. I think you're great. I think you're awesome. And I think you're handsome. More than that, God thinks you're amazing. God thinks your beauty, your potential, your calling, what's to come is so much greater than what you think of yourself. Final point, we're done. Long-lasting.
of you guys are thinking, just like your sermon, Scott, it's long-lasting. One of the last marks of true intimacy is love endures. That same affirming love goes a long distance. In a healthy, intimate relationship, there's absolute commitment for one another. As cliche as it is, it's, a, it's not a sprint, it's a long marathon. In a healthy community of faith, people commit to one another long term. It's not just a flash in a pan, but we go the long distance. 1 Corinthians 13, long-suffering, the long-enduring element of love is powerful. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You and I are to stand in each other's lives with such endurance and commitment and that we want to finish the race together. And there's a, a, a saying that I have loved for the past years is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. That's so profoundly true. You know, I'm a rusher. I like to rush. I, like, I rush everybody. But sometimes when I do, I find myself all alone, all by myself. So lonely. There's no affirmation there. There's no correction there when you're by yourself. So I encourage you guys, brothers and sisters, surround yourself with those that you're going to commit to the long journey of your faith.